Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. Are you interested in advertising with the Action Catalyst? Our listeners could be hearing about your brand right here, right now. For details, shoot us an email at info at theactioncatalyst.com. Well, welcome to the Action Catalyst, everyone. This is Dan Moore, privileged to be your host today. And today we're most excited to be spending time with Joni Fetters. She is the president and one of the facilitators and leadership coach at Aileron, which we're going to learn much more about. Joni has a lifetime of achievement. She is one of the top business leaders in her part of the world, was honored, in fact, as one of the members of the 40 Under 40, has a bachelor's degree from the Miami University, the one in Ohio that's most important we remember, and also has an MBA from Xavier University. Uh, She's a past business owner. She understands the risks, the rewards, the challenges that ownership and professional management bring. Prior to that, she had a career in one of the largest corporations in the world as a brand manager and got to see firsthand how strategy, leadership, and culture can fuel a company to do some great things. She got the entrepreneurial bug and started a technology company herself that was just two employees and trying to figure out how to grow led her to learn more about Aileron. They had a course called the Course for Presidents that was intended to help people grow organizations. She learned how to establish the right kind of board of directors and do some strategic planning. And in just five years, grew to 100 employees, became a finalist in the Ernst & Young Cincinnati Entrepreneur of the Year Award, And the Cincinnati Business Courier called them one of the top 25 fastest growing companies in the region. They sold that business. And as she puts it, she and her husband just couldn't stop. So they bought a second business that was involved in decorative packaging that they operated for seven years before successfully selling. It's very interesting to hear about the culture that's been established at Aileron. I'm going to let her describe what that's more about. But it's way beyond just a not-for-profit organization that does advising. It's focused on improving the quality of life of people in America, one private business at a time. Joni Fetters, thank you so much for being our guest on the Action Catalyst. Thank you. Great to have the opportunity to chat. Yes, absolutely right. Uh, Before we talk a little bit about how you ended up with Aileron in a leadership role, can you describe a bit more about what Aileron actually does? Absolutely. So I don't know if anybody knows what an aileron is, but it's actually a part of an airplane wing and it helps the the plane bank to the left, to the right, and and somewhat with lift. And aileron, the organization we work with is a nonprofit that was started about 20 years ago. And it was realizing that our country was founded on many core principles and and great, great things that that got us to where we are today. And one of those is a strong entrepreneurial base of small privately held businesses that provide jobs and, and, and creativity and so many different things. But the difficulty of moving from a startup to a million in sales and then a million in sales where you last five years and a million to three million and three million to seven and 10 and so forth um, is kind of a difficult path. You have to continue to, well, you continue to break processes and then you have to rebuild new ways. And so we were founded out of the spirit of how do we support that more in the second stage of business. So there's there's some support for startups and then there's a lot of good 
great consulting and um, support services for very large companies, but that organizations going from, you know, one to two to three to five to 10 million, um, it, it takes a shift in mindset. Uh, a lot of times people have started in their business as the doer. Um, I'm the accountant and I start doing people's accounting taxes. And then before I know it, I'm doing multiple and I hire a few people. And so there's just this transition. And, and really that's what Aileron is about is how do we support that growth and um, that energy that people have because scaling a business is different than starting a business. Um, and so that's really kind of what we do is we, we, we support that process. Mm-hmm. I've heard you say that less than half a percent of all businesses ever get over the 10 million mark. Yeah. Isn't that a crazy, I mean, think about that. Yes, this is millions of businesses and so few that actually get to that point. Yeah, and we talk like the large businesses are just, you know, all over the place and um, it's just astounding. Truly, truly is. Well, I'd love to, to get a bit more background. I know you worked uh, in IAMS, which is, of course, very powerful company oriented around great food for pets. You're a pet owner yourself. Um, well, what was the shift like going from big corporate to being an entrepreneur and starting your own firm? Oh, it was, um, it was difficult. It was really hard. And I don't think I understood what it meant to shift from living in a culture that was thriving and a company that was thriving and practicing, um, strategy and, and people were working around the same focus areas and there was clarity on what we did. And then you shift to a business that's trying to figure out what we want to do and, how we serve customers and bringing in different people. And it's a a whole different ball game when all of a sudden you can't go, I don't like the way they're doing things because they are you and you have to drive that and lead that change um, and lead, lead people in a different way than, than sitting in a big organization where you are part of it and you're certainly contributing, but in a different way. So to me, it was a very difficult, exciting and I do it again and again um, and have had that chance with Aileron. But, um, but it is, it's hard work and there's a lot to it. Mm-hmm. I know you've talked also about part of developing people is to understand the continuum that thoughts, emotions, and actions and how they link together. Could, could you share a little bit on that with us? Absolutely. Um, I think if you want to create meaningful change, this understanding this pattern is, is really important because, and that's kind of what we've always set out to do is our hope is not that you come to a workshop and we get so many people through a workshop or that we teach so many people a certain concept, but it's that they actually can make the changes that they want to do. And a lot of people work at the behavior level. So you see um, behaviors you like or don't like. And so you're coaching somebody around the behaviors, but what do derives those behaviors is really emotions. So our emotions drive our behaviors or our actions. And then people can kind of feel those actions. They, or they feel those emotions, but what they don't realize is there's a thought that typically is behind the emotion that drives the action. Then you can start to make more substantial change by working on people's thoughts. So I'll give you a light, light example. I hate going to cocktail parties. I always have. And so I avoid them. I don't show up or I go there and I pout, whatever it is. So that's my behavior. It's driven by an emotion of kind of dread or low energy around that particular um, piece. So once I started thinking about thought, emotion, action, 
I got back to the thought of what thought is driving that dread and that action. And that is, I found that most cocktail parties are thinking about the way I thought it was supposed to be was you're supposed to go and work the room. And that resulted in a lot of meaningless conversations. Hey, how are you doing? How's the weather? How are your kids? You know, whatever. It was very surface oriented. So I could keep that thought and still dread going to cocktail parties, or I could also explore different ways I could look at it. So I changed the rules. So now I go to a cocktail party and my new thought is I'm going to go meet one really cool person and I want to learn about them and, and have a conversation with them. And I can't say that I love cocktail parties now, but by changing that thought, I go in with a much better rule for myself on how it's going to work. And I will go in and have one really cool conversation and then I'll go home. And so it raises my energy level. So, so it's, it's fascinating how many thoughts we have behind our emotions and actions that affect whether things work at work or work at home. You know, we have people that are hiring and you may have the greatest hiring process, but if I'm going into that hiring process with fear, that's driven by the thought that says I might make a mistake or I've had to fire people before or I'll never find somebody, then that process is going to be kind of jaded. And so we help people get back to that, um, those thoughts that help them kind of get more a hold of them and be more aware of how they're entering into meetings or processes or relationships or conversations and so forth. So thought, emotion, action is a really powerful, simple tool that allows people to, I think, really make change. I think that's absolutely brilliant. I know when I first started in sales a million years ago, I read a little pamphlet that said, if you're worried about somebody's production, the less you talk about their production and the more you talk about their purpose, the faster their production will come up. Beautiful. So it's exactly what you're saying. The behavioralism is what we all focus on because that's obvious. That's in front of us. But there's always a motive that underlies every action. And if we can work on the motive and get that to be healthier, then the actions bear self-sustaining. Absolutely. I love it. And, you know, the other thing that I find I find fascinating, 99.9% of the people come to work wanting to do a good job. Now, that sounds kind of like no kidding, but that's not usually how it plays out when we see behavior that we don't like. We think people are doing it on purpose or they're just not trying hard enough or they're lazy, but it's fascinating if you actually take some of those behaviors you don't like and ask somebody what thought they have that's why they're behaving in the way. And more than likely you find out that they really think it's a good behavior. It's a behavior. There's some thought back there that it's doing a good job or I'm being responsible. I don't want to let somebody down or whatever. So it's kind of fun to, to tie that down to your, to your point about the behavior. Yeah, I think that's absolutely brilliant. Well, it's, you know, you're a, a sort of a business guru. You help others find their way. You give them guidance. You give them advice. But have you ever hit a brick wall along the way, Joni? Things that just all of a sudden you're trucking along and kaboom, and you're just knocked for one. Well, let's see. I probably hit three already this morning. So, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Okay. <laughs> and I've never used the word business guru to describe myself, but um, but I'm I am fascinated by it, and I'm fascinated by people and how they work and how we keep changing things. Um, and so, yes, of course you're, you hit brick walls all the time. Um, I think whenever I, I love, somebody showed me a learning model once and they said, you start off in this wonder stage and you're so excited. I'm going to learn tennis or I'm going to learn how to 
have better conversations. I'm going to learn how to do strategic planning, whatever it might be. And you are in this awe stage and then you actually have to start doing it and you go to the blunder stage and you hit a wall. Um, and, and when you start to realize that that's just normal, um, you know, learning to play the guitar sounds so cool. And I get my guitar and I get the music and I pick the song and whatever. And then all of a sudden my fingers hurt and it doesn't sound very good and stuff. And then I get a, a hit a wall. So I think you hit walls all day long, which is probably a sign of learning and, um, opportunity more than it is like, um, anything else. It's probably just more matters of how long you get stuck there. Hmm. So a lot of people focus on how do you get unstuck from the walls, but yes, I've hit, I mean, seriously, ask me every day and I've, I hit several walls. <laughs> what I think is going to work one way doesn't. Right. Well, they say you're more likely to hit a wall if you're running fast than if you're standing still, but you're also, yeah. also more likely <laughs> to get somewhere. So that, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so how do you change your mindset then? At, at first, you absorb the blow. It's pretty normal and human to feel frustrated, wish it weren't happening. But what, what's been an effective strategy for you to get past that and, and into something more constructive? Um, I think a lot of times it's suspending judgment. So, you know, we make judgments that it's bad that we're stuck or that that didn't work out or we didn't get that customer. And sometimes it is. So acknowledge that. Um, but then it's also starting to understand, like, what can I do in this situation versus I can't? Um, and what did we learn in this situation versus maybe it's it's not meant to be maybe selling it in this way after five times we get turned down is telling us something that people don't want to buy that way, or they don't want to buy what we have. Um, so I think it's being conscious to what that's telling you. And, you know, I mean, there's so many reasons we get stuck. Um, you know, whether you get in your own brain, I mean, our, our brains are bad neighborhoods when we're there by ourselves mm. and we can just talk ourselves into a frenzy and make things really, really bad. So a lot of times when you get stuck, some of the benefit might just be even having a conversation with somebody, even if they don't have the greatest advice, sometimes processing out loud and hearing yourself, you start to go, Oh, I, I kind of know what's going on, or I kind of know what's doing it. So I think there's lots of things around getting unstuck. Hmm. That probably could be like 10 episodes in the future. <laughs> it probably could be. You said something a second ago. You said you try to help focus on what can we do, not not what can't we do. That helps you get into future mode, I guess. It does. Yeah, it switches your... It's fascinating to ask people, um, you know, I was having some conversations actually with high school students and they were frustrated with how their school was dealing with a certain issue. And they wanted to just stay there and vent and, and it's, you know, something that they couldn't control. And, and that's usually when we all feel like we're stuck is when something's out of our control. So then, but the powerful question is, but what can you do? So you may not be able to change the school's stance on it, but there was things that they could do themselves that could actually move them forward. And then all of a sudden you start to see people realize there are something that they can actually put in action that makes them feel better or starts to move the ball. Mm -hmm. That's uh, what can we do? That should be the title of your next book. If you haven't written one yet or your first book, if you have, yeah. so that'd be great. I'm stuck. on writing a book. So that's a wall. I'm, I'm not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> have you started? No, I've thought about it, but that's as far as I've gotten. 
That's okay. Well, you'll you'll get there. No question about that. Curious how you keep uh, the natural tendency to want to coast. You, you've been highly successful. You probably could just basically cruise along and be a guru or do nothing if you wanted to. But something drives you. What do you do when that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity gets gets in your ear? And how do you overcome that? Yeah, I love your question. Um, I think when you when you first sent it over, I thought, gosh, that's a pretty powerful question. And I'm not sure. I don't know if I know the answer to that. Um, I feel like the world is going so fast these days that I'm not sure you have a choice in many places to stay average or status quo or mediocrity. And I think the statistic that I heard was that the world has changed faster in the last 30 years than it has 300 before that, the 300 years before that, and it's going to get faster. So I'm not even sure mediocrity is an option in many places, um, which I think many people are feeling, right? I mean, the, the stress and the speed to what we're all working. I mean, I, I'm always amazed. My kids go, I sent a text two seconds ago and you didn't answer. Like, where are you? You know what I mean? Like everything is so fast. So I'm not sure that even in business, you have a choice anymore. Um, so I think, but I think it's also like out of passion for learning and growing that if you stay focused on, if you value that um, and you value innovation and creativity that you'd be fueled more by your value. Um, I'd like to prefer doing that versus a fear-based, like you have to, or I'm afraid what happens if I don't. Um, it tends to be more, to me, energizing to focus on changing and, and growing and learning. I mean, just learning about new ways to do things. Mm -hmm. So you, you tend to lean on that second gear of motivation, which is towards something good, as opposed to the first gear, which is away from something bad. Yeah. Absolutely. Keep that mindset going. Well, that's great. Um, you also have a very busy lifestyle. Married 27 years, you and Jim, three kids, uh, a few animal creatures floating around, which is great. Uh, you've got priorities every day. How, how do you keep everything somewhat in equilibrium or dynamic change? How, how do you get it all done, Joni? Hmm. Wow. I think I muscle through it like most people do. Um, but I, I think it was looking at the rules I have in my head around what it means to be a good mother, what it means to be a good employee, what it means to be a good spouse and being conscious to the fact that maybe I don't want to play by the rules that were, that are there or not there. Um, because we can drive ourselves crazy. They're the moms that bake the homemade cookies or they're a leader that, um, is here at the office. I always get this one. Um, a good leader is someone who's there from seven thirty or seven o'clock in the morning till six o'clock at night. So if I have that rule, I'm there. Now that means that I'm not somewhere else. Like if I feel like also my family's important and I want to get to the kids play or whatever it is. So I think it's challenging those rules that I've done over time to see if they make sense and they work for us. Um, so I actually live in Cincinnati. I work an hour from where I work and I could easily have a rule that I have to be here Monday through Friday at, you know, seven 30 to six, but I'm not playing by that rule. Um, it doesn't allow me to be present certain times at home or it spends two hours in a car. That's not healthy for me from a, a physical perspective. So, um, it's challenging those rules and making sure that I'm clear on what 
what makes sense for our family, for myself, for the organization, um, then it is living by maybe what perceived rules are or what other people want your rules to be, maybe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, it's more about being results and productivity based as opposed to time based. Absolutely. I'm not kidding, but I had a, when I was young, um, I had a boss that would stand there every day and I would walk out at five because I had a young child and he would sit there and tap his watch to remind me that I was leaving before anybody else. And now everybody else would take two hour lunches and they would read the newspaper from five to seven. So they had the FaceTime there. And I thought, I'm not playing by that game. Like I have a young child. I want to get home and visit and hang out and whatever. And once they go to bed, I will get on my computer and work away. And I, and that's what I would do. Um, so it absolutely is more about that. And you, you feel that much more now in the marketplace. I think most people, a lot of people are getting there too, where there's this, there's not this need to be so time-based and you can't check in. Life only happens between six o'clock at night and six o'clock in the morning and work happens from seven to seven. It's just, it's too or too siloed and and it's just not that way anymore right and some organizations are more amenable to that kind of negotiation of course than others absolutely um but from what i hear you saying it regards the individual having a really clear picture of the priorities that are important and then being willing to negotiate that time base if need be but to just say i'll still get the job done i may just not do it the way you think i'm going i should yeah absolutely which makes sense so uh, knowing the priorities, and even though every day is going to be a little bit different, probably helps you get those boxes checked, which is so great. This is amazing to me, Joni, because you are are living a life of example in addition to giving advice. You know, you're leading an organization. And so many times people that talk aren't practitioners. And it's great to know that you are. Thank you. Yeah. So I've talked to a number of our listeners who just derive great inspiration from from, I guess, the, the next question, which is really, how do you advise somebody who feels like they're stuck? You know, that they've looked at their hand of cards. There's not a single ace in there. They're not sure what to do. Um, how do you get how do you get a person unstuck? What advice? Yeah. Um, I, I honestly am a big believer when you're really, really stuck is to call in some reinforcements and, and get some people asking you good questions um, and processing it. A lot, a lot of um, business owners, uh, leaders of organizations get in that space because they're afraid to let others know what's really going on. So if I'm going to have a hard time make, making payroll, I got to carry that burden myself because the last thing I probably want to do is walk up and down the halls and go, keep working hard because I'm not sure I can pay you on Friday. Um, so you keep a lot of that inside. And so, but, and that happens with problems big and small that we tend to keep it inside. I'm, I'm an introvert by nature. So I'm not like an extrovert that I love to run around and be social and things like that, but processing it with somebody and getting other people to under, like just ask you good questions and help you think through more of like a thought partner I think really helps people get unstuck because it starts to open up your world. If you're in your own little world, you start to shut down and think there's not a lot of options. If you start to um, 
explore with other people, you start to realize they, they maybe have been there before or similar situations. We had this woman who was trying to decide if she wanted to move or not. And she was really stuck. And a couple peers started talking to her and started asking her how, how might she experiment with the idea rather than make the decision. So it feels pretty permanent to sell your old house, move to this other country. But how could she experiment with that situation to give her more information? Because she didn't have enough information to know whether she'd like it or not. So she was stuck in this cycle. And it was fascinating to see her energy shift because all of a sudden she started saying, well, I could rent my house out for a year and go try it. And that way, if it didn't work out, I could go back. She would have never thought that unless she had had a chance to sit down with somebody else. I feel like that's a one good way to get unstuck. Um, but you can get that through listening to podcasts like yourselves or reading or the other, the other trick, trick I love is looking at irrelevant situations parallel. So how does what I do at home and the way I'm processing this decision parallel, or what can I learn from that, that parallels into how I handle this situation at work. Um, and sometimes that helps you get a little bit out of the, the details of the stuff and into more of the patterns or what is the real issue mm-hmm. that I'm trying to solve for. It's about perspective, isn't it? That's, uh, mm-hmm. that's so tremendously helpful. Now, you said something a minute ago that's kind of a bombshell. You've been a successful entrepreneur. You're a business leader. You're a professional. Did you say you're an introvert? Is that even possible? Yeah, I am. <laughs> well, as one to the other, partner. <laughs> good, good. Thank you, yes. I could dig it. Um, are you familiar with the book called Quiet by Susan Cain? No, but I'll read it now. The subtitle is called The Power of Introverts in a World that Can't Stop Talking. Okay. Huh. And uh, that's when I realized about two years ago that I'm clinically an introvert, even though the world would not believe it. Uh, we can put it on when we need to, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But, but no. boy, it's wearing. <laughs> it's tiring. <laughs> but it's about mindset, how you approach that cocktail party, how you set the right goals, how you think about it, and uh, and how key that is. Well, that is absolutely awesome. And uh, Joni, thank you so much for, for not only what you shared with us today, but the way you live your life. The, that you influence every day. You give hope to people that need hope. You give them a path and then they can get unstuck. And we appreciate what you do and how you do it. Great. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for having us. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.